KTOO, welcome to Juno Afternoon, broadcasting live from the homelands of the Aquan and on demand as a podcast. It's Tuesday, February 6th, 2024. I'm your host, Boston Christopher. Good afternoon, Hawa Salamat, for joining the conversation. On today's show, a special presentation of the film Eight Keys for Adults with Fetal Alcohol Spectrum Disorders is happening at the Gold Town this week. Juno Ghost Light Theater is here to discuss their latest radio play adventure airing this Friday on KTOO, The War of the Worlds. We'll check in with Trail Mix about their upcoming 2024 season, including trail updates and more. And we'll hear a new segment from the KTOO news team, Tongas Voices, which premieres today. Those conversations, music, and more coming up this hour on Juno Afternoon. Support from Hanson Gress. Seeking curious people who like technology, network engineering, and customer support. Opportunities for those who thrive on problem solving. Details at hansongress.com slash careers. Support for Juno Afternoon comes from Heritage Coffee Roasting Company, providing Juno with locally roasted coffee for over 40 years, with cafes and drive through locations throughout Juno. More at heritagecoffee.com. KTOO would like to acknowledge that we broadcast from the homelands of the Aquan. The Glen A.D. have stewarded this area for thousands of years. Today, our studios sit on a spot, once part of the Tidelands, now covered over with buildings, roads, and parking lots. We recognize those families who traveled to and from these Tidelands to fishing and hunting grounds and to gatherings in other villages, and still cherish it as an important part of their way of life for today and for future generations. Supported Juno Afternoon on KTOO at 104.3 Juno, 91.7 Juno Akbe and online at KTOO.org. I'm your host, Boston Christopher. Tomorrow, tomorrow night at the Goldtown Nickelodeon from 6 to 7 p.m., the Alaska Center for Fetal Alcohol Spectrum Disorders is presenting the film Eight Keys for Adults with FASD, followed by a Q&A session. For more information, you can visit Alaska Center for FASD. But first, let's listen to a little trailer from the movie. Growing up, I always knew there was something different about me, just didn't know what. I was not too happy. I didn't want to be labeled. The way I was able to be okay with the challenges, I started talking about it. I don't really like to consider it a disability because I don't really see it that way. He's just an amazing guy. He can do so much more than you think he can. I have a 32-year-old and I have a 16-year-old and I broke the cycle. 
One of my strengths is finding something that I love doing. Breaking it down into tiny baby steps. Start with step one. Once it's completed, move to step two. One, I wasn't alone and that there was nothing wrong with me. I am who I am and I am blessed to be who I am. Without my self-advocacy, I wouldn't be as strong and independent as I am now. To help people understand their strengths and weaknesses so that they can achieve their greatest potential. And that's the trailer from Eight Keys for Adults with FASD. And joining me now to talk more about it and the event tomorrow night are Janice Weiss and Gina Shoemaker, who is in the film. She is a cast member of the film. Gunath Chish, Hat Ye Adi, thank you so much for being here today. Wasi Ati, how's it going? Good. Thanks for having us. I'm glad to be here. Of course. Excellent. And Janice, how are you? I'm doing great. Thank you so much. We've been at the legislature all day, so we've been talking all day. So we're excited to um, come and talk about the film today. Oh, absolutely. What you were doing at the legislature? Were you getting looking for... Uh, doing different things and advocating? Yes. Um, not so much advocating for once and asking for money as just educating um, so that they would understand more about FASD, what it is, um, and uh, what we are planning to do um, as the Center for um, FASD in Alaska um, and how we um, are building um, a, a telehealth program so that people can get diagnosed. We're building an um, area where people can come for help. Um, get that information that they need for where to go uh, because you can feel so alone when you have a disability. And, you know, we refer to FASD as a hidden disability so that, um, you know, you can't tell by looking at someone that they have FASD. And so what is it that they can do to get some help? And we want to make that available to everyone in our state so that they don't feel alone. That's great. Well, let's back up just a second and just find out about the Alaska Center for FASD. I know it was created in 2017, and it came out of sort of reports and things that had been done showing that people needed more a way to centralize getting information and resources. Is that right? That is correct. Yep, exactly. Okay. Um, and just recently, um, within the last year, we received a $400,000 grant um, thanks to Senator Lisa Murkowski. So through the federal government, we um, were able to get a grant. And with that grant, um, the center was able to hire an executive director um, who just happens to be me. <laughs> so, yeah. Congratulations. Yeah, thank you so much. Um, so what I will be doing is, of course, uh, anyone who who works in the nonprofit world knows all about um, taking care of what the grant says you will do, and we call them deliverables. So there are six deliverables for this grant, and so that's what I will be working on. And the main things are, of course, starting the telehealth program so that people, even in rural Alaska, can get a diagnosis, and then working to create the um, uh, navigation area where people know this resource is available, here's how you tap into it. And then something that Gina is going to talk about and work with is the peer program or mentor program. Oh, that's so great. That's really wonderful. So I guess one of the things that I want to understand before we talk about the film itself is what is 
fetal alcohol spectrum disorder or disorders. I guess there can be a number of them. And this is what part of the education is about, yeah? Exactly. And I'll tell you, um, I just got really into this and passionate about it a few months ago. And I've been, because I was retired from the state and I needed something to really throw my passion into and <laughs> FASD was it. Um, so I am learning so much as I go along, but um, Gina can certainly talk more about that. Yeah, absolutely, Gina. So it's a spectrum. So um, depending on the mother's drinking and her body metabolizing and such, it depends on how severely you're impacted. Uh, I was diagnosed at 50 and um, it was life-changing for me. I was glad to get the diagnosis so I could put the puzzle pieces together and understand why my brain just worked differently. Mm, I see. Okay. So, and that seems... uh late to be diagnosed was it be, what, did you see did you have i guess it wouldn't be symptoms now maybe it is symptoms i don't know but how did you recognize it throughout the years before you were officially diagnosed what what did you feel i guess i knew i was different i was kind of quirky kind of immature kind of um go with the flow kind of just uh immature really mm -hmm. is the basic basic thing i knew that something was not quite right. I had a girlfriend that um, I told that I had it and she said, there's no way you could have it. Look at you. And um, from then she invited me to a luncheon and the guy speaking, uh, Billy Edwards, an LA uh, public defender uh, that does a lot with FASD, he started describing it and she said, I'm sorry, but you have it. And I said, I know. Um, uh, so it's one of those things that I, once a friend had mentioned that her sons had it, they, she had adopted a couple children from the village and they had it. And I looked at her and I looked at them and I thought, how could they have it? They don't look like they have it. And so I had the same idea that maybe you had to look a certain way to have it. And that wasn't the case when I got my formal diagnosis um, that I have partial FAS. Mm, that is so interesting. And I know that some of the numbers that you sent out, um, one of these is up to one in 20 students in the United States may have an FASD, um, according to a study um, that was done. And then that is that that's that seems like a large number. Um, and of course, this is this this happens because uh, a mother has has been drinking alcohol while pregnant. Is that right? And so, it, so it affects the child. Correct. Um, and then that can manifest, as you said, in all kinds of ways mm -hmm. uh, on a spectrum mm -hmm. that somebody might have. So this this idea is to educate. Um, that's part of what the center is doing. Um so uh, that's that's amazing work, and I know it's your your office is based in Anchorage, but you're doing work mm -hmm. throughout the state, right? Exactly, yeah. right. But we wanted um, to have a physical presence, so the office in Anchorage will be open um, soon, so that people can drop by, talk with us, pick up information. Um, but also, of course, um, in in these days, you have to be available in many many ways. So um, by phone, um, over the internet, you know, we'll be available many ways for people to get help or to ask questions. Yeah. and you know, it's really interesting. Interesting that you bring up the idea of the mother drinking because so many mothers will, um, well, you know, there's the whole stigma about it, of course. No, mm. no mother wants to admit that she drank and therefore her child has a disability. You know, that's a horrible thing to, to think about having to admit. Um, but not everybody who drinks is going to have 
a child with a problem with that disability. Um, so I'll let Gina talk a little bit about that and when when somebody drinks and what can happen um, with that. But there are many people who will say that, you know, well, I drank and nothing happened. Yeah. And I, and I do want to point out that Gina was the one in the trailer you heard saying, I broke the cycle. Yes, you I did. You have two adult children and you broke the cycle. So that's, I do. that's really great. It's very exciting. Yeah, absolutely. So um, as, as, as Janice was just saying, um, can you speak to what she was talking about there in terms of the, that not every mother who drinks necessarily will see an effect on the child? Right. It depends on the amount, like I said, and how you metabolize it. It, uh, there is no safe amount of alcohol. I just want to be clear about that. There is no safe amount that you can have. And doctors are still telling patients that they can have a drink or two and it's not going to hurt anything. It's like Russian roulette. We don't really know what the impacts will have. We do know that if you drink within the first three weeks uh, on the 21st, 2017th to the 21st day is when your facial features are being developed. So mm. that's why only 10% of us have the facial features mm. of the FASD. But I see. yeah, it's a, we need to end the stigma so that birth moms can come forward and say, I didn't know I was pregnant and I drank and my kid needs services and this, I need help. What can I do? And we need to be able to give them the guidance that they need. Yeah, absolutely. So that's one thing that the center does. And the second thing, or many things that you do, but this thing that's happening tomorrow night at the Gold Town, um, this film, um, which is um, eight keys for adults living with FASD. Um, and so this is for those who are grown, like mm -hmm. Gina, who have maybe been diagnosed later in life. And so tell us a little bit about this film. I know it was a sequel to an animated thing that happened about 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. um, so how did this film come about and how did you get involved, Gina? Well, I'm on the board of directors. I'm the vice president for Alaska Center for FASD. Deb Evanson and Hope Finkelstein had this brainchild to make this movie. And Deb Evanson is the one that created Eight Magic Keys, which is the school district used that quite a bit 10 years ago. And it's an animated film that started this. Um, Marilyn Pierce Bulger was the founder of the center and she was a collabor she collaborated on the film. There's seven of us adults that are all Alaskan. Some were diagnosed earlier in life and some of us were diagnosed later. Um, it's really just to help give encouragement and hope to those that may love someone with it, may have it, may not know they have it, and to give them the keys to be successful. And it's by no means says that we have perfect lives because we do have learning disabilities and we do struggle in different areas in our life. Um, for instance, I can spell anything, but don't ask me to multiply. You know, <laughs> if it has to do with numbers or money or time, then I struggle a lot more. Mm. But when it comes to words or letters or anything like that, I'm pretty good about it. And I mask really well because I didn't know I had it. And so I was just coping and not knowing exactly why I would lock my keys in the car or why I would lose my driver's license or why I would misplace things all the time. And after getting the diagnosis, I've not had to do any of that. I've um, got a little wallet that my ID goes in immediately. As soon as I'm done with it, I've just learned different tools, modifications, if you will, that have helped me. Gotcha. Okay. And so this film tomorrow, it's about 30 minutes or so. Mm -hmm. um, and is it open to the public? 
Yes, it is. And there is no charge for it. So yeah. we would just love everyone to, to come. Um, of course, we're a nonprofit. If people want to make a donation, $5, $10, whatever, they're certainly welcome to do that. But it's not expected at all. We're just happy to have people come to learn about FASD um, and to think about, you know, do I know people who may mm. have FASD? Does, does my child, does my sister, does my brother? Um, but just something to think about. And if they think, maybe so, do something about it. Um, but uh, after the film is over, then um, Gina will be one of the people um, who will be doing a question and answer period. And we'll have a couple of other um, folks as well. One mother of three children with FASD will be um, available. And so we just answer questions, or they just answer questions. I sit and listen and we eat popcorn. <laughs> but, <laughs> and Goldtown has great popcorn. Do uh, they? Oh, yeah, good to know. Real butter and everything. It's oh, so great. good. So, um, so it's a 30 minute film and then there'll mm -hmm. be a 30 minute Q&A where people right. can find out more information um, and it, this is a, way, a great way to support or to find out more information because mm -hmm. maybe you don't know as Gina didn't mm -hmm. until she was age 50 you said mm -hmm. that this might be something that you're dealing with um, and it, there's all kinds of uh, possible tells I guess or things to figure out and things that maybe you don't know uh, maybe you know somebody who's affected by this that maybe you can bring them and have some popcorn and enjoy this film and learn a little bit about eight keys to 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 working with this and and right. dealing with this as you're as you're an adult right so that's really great absolutely and it can yeah. improve your life it can make your life a lot better mm -hmm. which is you know something if you have something that you're wondering about or you think something's wrong with you and some people go to many many doctors to find out you know what's wrong with me what's wrong with me and never get an answer and perhaps this could be an answer I for know people. people like that that yeah. they say I have this thing and it's never been diet nobody can figure out what it is so yep. yeah it's tomorrow night at the gold town nickelodeon from 6 to 7 p.m the alaska center for fetal alcohol syndrome spectrum disorders is presenting the film eight keys for adults with fasd followed by a q a session for more information you can visit alaska center for fasd.org uh, janice weiss gina shoemaker um, thank you so much for coming today gunath cheese for sharing about it and uh, i hope you have a great turnout at the film tomorrow well thank you so much boston we hope you're able to come and um, i'll treat you to some pop <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much thank you boston I really appreciate you're welcome. that gunath cheese <laughs> Juno Afternoon from KTOO. And now a new feature that premiered today from the KTOO News team. This is Tongas Voices, Perspectives from the Homelands of the Aquan and Beyond. In this first offering, we'll hear from Marilyn Lumba, who is the Director of Nursing at the Juno Pioneer Home and an Assistant Professor of Nursing at the University of Alaska Southeast. She began working at the Pioneer Home in 2010, just three months after migrating to Juno from Tagum, Mindanao. And while she loves her career now, she didn't think healthcare would become her passion. Our facility consists of four neighborhoods. 
So we have like Twin Lakes Lodge. We have um, um, 10 residents in here. I always like think, okay, what will be the best for the resident? If this is my grandpa, what am I gonna do for, the, for them to be happy? If you observe, we don't have uniform because this is a home, in your home you don't you wear a uniform, right? So we wanted the resident to feel that this is their home, so we have cats. We have two cats. Um, it depends on the color. If it is ginger, of course, it's like ginger colored. And smoky is like smoky colored. And we have birds. Before we even have um, fish also. Actually, I wanted to be an accountant. A CPA, a certified public accountant. But my best friend want to be a nurse. And I said, okay, let's just be a nurse together. Because we wanted to go together to the same school and all that. And so I just, I just completed it because my mom doesn't want me to stop. I started um, working here in GPH in 2010 as an assisted living aide. And um, I moved in here because my husband is here. Like he petitioned me and then so together with my daughter. And then I become an assistant professor because the, like in 2019. I made the right choice in, in staying as a nurse because being a nurse is not just, you know, not just... Like, you know how they always said passing meds? Like, in elderly people, like here in a long-term care facility, they said, oh, you just pass. No, like, being here and being, like, a leader, like, there's a lot. Like, you you have a big impact on this resident. You, like, we call them resident. We don't call them patient. Like, you have, um, you become their family, and you wanted, like, for me, because it becomes my passion, like, I wanted them to be, like, successful in what they wanted, like, the quality of life that they, they deserve. That was Marilyn Lumba, Director of Nursing at the Juno Pioneer Home, for this week's Tongas Voices, a new feature from the KTOO News Team. Follow ktoo.org for more Tongas Voices updated weekly. Up next, Juno Ghostlight Theater has a new treat for the ears in their latest radio drama, The War of the Worlds. We'll find out more next on Juno Afternoon from KTOO. This is Juno Afternoon from your listener-supported public media station, KTOO. I'm your host, Boston Christopher. This Friday, on the air at KTOO at 7 p.m., it's The War of the Worlds by H.G. Wells. Originally done by Orson Welles in the Mercury Theater in 1938. You may have heard of it. Its legend is that it incited a public panic as listeners were convinced the broadcast of a Martian invasion was real. Now, local theater group Juno Ghostlight Theater is putting on this radio drama. It's another in their series of radio plays. Why this play? Why now? And how will it be done some 86 years later? 
Joining me now in the studio are Donnie Gott, director of this production. Hi, Donnie. Hi. Uh, musician George Kuhar, who is doing some music along with his wife, Bridget. Hello. Hello. And cast member Kelsey Riker. Hi, Kelsey. Hello. Otherwise known as... The MC of Juno. <laughs> so they tell me. So they tell you. Um, that's how it is. And uh, so, Gunath Chish Hot Yeah, D, thank you so much for being here today. Uh, Wasiya T, how's it going? Uh, I also wanted to say that, and full disclosure, I also have a role in this production as well. Um, so, Donnie. Let's get this out of the way right at the top. Um, this play, when it was done in 1938, the legend was that it incited a, a panic, but it's a pretty debatable fact. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah. From the reading that I've done, uh, there were some people who were concerned. There were some phone calls made. Uh, <laughs> however, the uh, I think the myth, the legend it, um, still remains in our in our pop culture because of media because of the spin media spin. Yeah. 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 It was really the media that, that, uh, went all, went, that, that did the hype. It wasn't actually a lot of hype. Right. So yeah. some people, and I mean, the way the script is con constructed, it's pretty apparent that I think three or four times in the script, they say, Hey, you're listening to a play. Yeah. But, in the play, there are sections that sound like news reports. So if you happen to tune in at the right moment or the wrong moment, depending on how you see that, mm -hmm. you might hear something that says, oh, my gosh, there's a huge giant ball of Martian fire in Grover's Mill, New Jersey. And the people are like, wait, what? Mm -hmm. um, now, it's interesting because in the day, there weren't as many devices in people's hands that they could go check right away. So there might have been some people who did dial into the switchboard and be like, excuse me. Right. Um, so it's it's possible that and I do think that um, that I know Orson was obviously playing a trick on people. He admitted that at some point and he's gone back and forth on it as yeah. we talked about in rehearsal a little bit that whether or not it was real or not and i think that but the way you can tell there's certain parts of the play where they definitely were playing that up right yeah. so that's kind of an interesting thing it'll be interesting to hear how people see it today um in terms of the reality of that or what it makes it sound like mm -hmm. um so i guess the next question is how did juno ghost light theater decide to do this piece well, I wish that Kate Ross, producer of this wonderful show, were here to answer that question. Uh, I do know that they were looking at another script that was the story of what was happening in at the uh, in the booth in at the radio station right after the uh, airing of War of the Worlds. There is a oh, play sort that's of like written a behind the scenes. Yeah, of of, oh. of of what happened after that. I see. And they were looking at that, and then, um, and I'm gonna just quote Kate, probably wrong. She can correct me later. Um, but she thought, well, why don't we just do War of the Worlds? Mm. Uh, it's um, uh, the there are themes in it that are relevant to today. And uh, it's a lot of fun and uh, um, it's exciting. And uh, so so she chose it. And she, I didn't choose it. I had no um, play in that. I'm, I was hired by- You're a hired director. Juno Ghostlight Theater. <laughs> so I, I, did not, I wasn't at the table when, they, when their board decided to do it. Um, 
but it's a really exciting script and it's really beautifully written. So yeah, the language is really beautiful for sure. Um, and so when you got this task then as the director, uh, what did you decide in terms of thinking about sort of a modern take on it? Um, or is there a modern take on it? Are you, are we honoring the past a little bit? Are we seeing how the sausage is made as it were? Are we, are we winking at it? Are we not winking at it? Are we taking ourselves seriously? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that is a good answer. Yeah. You know, and it's interesting. Well, let's go to George here for a minute because I know George uh, and uh, you are doing the music um, along with your wife. That's right. Actually, and it's more like she's doing the music and uh, I'm kind of there you, for you, support. You're I'm, listening to what she says. Yeah. A good husband does. Can kind of a miss. No, it's more like to say I'm. I shouldn't title myself this, but it's more like I'm the musical director okay, <laughs> for this okay. in a way. Gotcha. Uh, because, you know, Kate had originally reached out to me and I said, well, I would like to enlist the help of my wife, Bridget. Yeah. And um, as it turns out, Bridget's doing most of the actual music playing and I'm kind of, I'm running some effects for her and, you know, controlling some of the faders, bringing her in and out of the script uh, to make it sound like a live radio program. I see. Because there's a lot of music in this program. There's, there's a, a lot of amount, different yeah. sections where if if people don't know the construction of it is, you know, they go, they cut away to somebody playing some music and then in comes Kelsey with an announcement about all these horrible things that are going wrong in the world. Um, and then it cuts back to the music. And mm -hmm. so we have these interesting um, uh, pieces. Now, back in those days, I don't know what kind of music they were choosing, more, maybe more classical or something. What is it that you and Bridget decided to do in terms of your take on the music for this? Well, um, you know, we didn't want to necessarily feel like we were placing it in a in a time. And in general, our, our MO is to try and defy expectations and do something that isn't necessarily a cookie cutter kind of sound. Yeah. So I'm hoping that we are achieving that. Yeah. I, I, I have, a, I've had the privilege of hearing a little bit of it and it's awesome. <laughs> so that's really cool. And then there's also going to be, of course, Foley, which will be done by Stacy and Rose Katas. Um, and that's going to be wonderful too, because there's all kinds of wonderful sounds in here as well. And so Kelsey, as the, uh, uh, one of the announcers, your task is to guide us through this. Can you tell us maybe just a little bit about like, what is the, just give us the overview of the story real quick, if you can. Are you testing me? No. To see how much no. I've been paying attention? <laughs> from, from the announcer's point of view. From the announcer's <laughs> point of view. Yeah, so we, um, I mean, we, we really start out like any other day. We have some dance music playing. There are some uh, general radio announcements um, until there's a bulletin handed over that says, Hey, there's some explosions happening on Mars mm. and some of those explosions might be heading towards earth, but here's some music. Um, <laughs> so keep dancing. Don't worry. Don't yeah. worry. Yeah. And well, now we're getting word that, that maybe, maybe it's just volcanoes, but also there's something heading towards earth like confirmed mm. now we're going to talk to some scientists about it uh until there is actually a a crash of a cylindrical 
spherical object that no one has seen. Scientists are baffled. Um, we're on the ground in the field talking to folks who are there. Um, so you're you're getting the action firsthand um, from folks who are on the ground experiencing everything. Creatures come out of this strange orb of metals that we have never seen on this planet. Um, creatures that are indescribable, and yet somehow it is so beautifully <laughs> described in this text. Um, and we lose contact. Um, we regain contact. Uh, there, there are attacks happening um, across, it turns out, the country. Um, and I'm getting all of this firsthand, or um, uh, as it's happening, bulletins handed to me from every direction, and I'm not there to see all of it because, again, like this is radio, so we're this is all just things that we are hearing uh, from the field. And eventually, we get this really beautiful, um, uh, a very brief break, and then we're kind of taken to another time after these one might call alien attacks um, where folks, maybe the last folks on earth are kind of wandering around trying to figure out what the world is and what their place in the world is now. That, that was great. That's, thank you so much. Good. Did you, I pass? She is paying attention. <laughs> thank goodness. <laughs> um, so, Donnie, um, let's go back to you. I know that uh, this is, uh, well, it seems like a great play for, I mean, it was written for the radio. So, that's. it seems like a perfect fit for Juno Ghostlight Theater's continuing radio series as they've been doing. They did Dracula and The Case of the Curious Client and all these other wonderful shows. Um, and this one just seems built for this kind of uh, atmosphere. And so um, we're talking about doing, this is happening Friday night right here on KTOO at seven o'clock. However, you can also sort of see the magic in the studio, right? Yes. Yeah, you can buy tickets to come and watch it live in the studio. So you can watch Stacy and Rose make all those sounds happen. You can watch all the actors, you can watch everything. Watch George and Bridget um, make music. Um, and watch the whole thing live uh, at 7 p.m. in KTO, and you can get tickets at ghostlighttheater.org. <laughs> I want to say com. I think, I think it's Juno, Juno, Ghost, Juno Ghostlight.com, I believe. I yeah. should have written yeah. it down. I have that's the cast good. list. Well, though. that's what I was going to ask you about next, actually, was because we know that I'm in it, and we know that Kelsey's in it. Who else is in this wonderful adventure? Well, it's a real bang-up cast, let me tell you. We've got Boston Christopher, already mentioned. We've got Jake Wade, Kelsey Riker, Jeff Hedges, Travis Philip. Morris, Val Kissel, and Salisa Thole. We've got Kate Ross producing. Sarah Wallace is our stage manager. Betsy Sims, Sims is doing sound. <laughs> and George and Bridget Kuhar are making the music. Wow, that is that is an amazing group of people. It's, it's phenomenal. Yeah, that's that's I'll say that um as being not an actor and getting to basically sit back when I'm not playing. And watching the production unfold, I totally recommend you know coming out to see it because w while it is intended for the radio, uh, getting to watch these actors perform this 
Um, even if it's just standing in front of a microphone, really does something for the whole thing. I've really been enjoying, you know, the times that I've spent listening to everybody do the script reading. It's it's really fantastic. Well, it's an interesting challenge too because you've got this like sense of you know 1938 and mm-hmm. how people sounded on the radio then versus also today how we sound on the radio now and realizing that. Yeah, like as Kelsey was saying, you're getting handed – like if somebody came in here right now to the studio, we're live on the air, right? If somebody came in and handed me something that said, you know, there's been a giant, you know, uh, atmospheric sphere or, or a cylindrical sphere that has landed in, you know, Mendenhall Glacier, how would I – how what would I do with that information? I'd have to trust the person who was handing me that, right? Because I know them, let's say, and I'd have to believe that they are correct in in that. But at one point in the show, I know Kelsey as the announcer gets bombarded with announcements as sort of the 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 wire is going crazy and the ticker wire is like, hey, this is coming in from here and now we're seeing it here. And because if anybody knows the novel, you know that not only do the Martians appear, but then they start using these machines, which we may have seen pictures of. And there was a movie, I don't know, a few years ago with Tom Cruise that Steven Spielberg did. But and this is based on the novel. The book is based on the novel or the the radio play is based on the novel. So there are passages directly from the book that are really beautiful and the language is really beautiful. And, um, and I, I, I know that you were talking, Donnie, about the themes. And I, I just wanted to mention this because I know in our, in our research we were finding this, but I thought it was really interesting that, you know, Wells later noted that inspiration for the plot was the catastrophic, catastrophic effect of European colonization on the Aboriginal Tasmanians, right? And so it was sort of about looking at imperialism and you know what we do as as beings and there's a really great sort of theme at the end of this play about humanity of course it's always comes down to humanity and what we're doing and what are we learning and what is our hope for the future right even though we are seen in this you know gone through this thing together as as a race in terms of a martian invasion so it's really it, it has a lot of modern feel to it but also then you can sense like what they were doing in 1938 in terms of how it's written and mm-hmm. the style of the piece in terms of just, you know, radio announcers. And if you've ever heard the the original recording, um, you know, it has that sort of kind of, you know, early sounding 20th century audio. Right. We'll have better and clearer audio on Friday mm-hmm. um, unless we intend not to. Right. <laughs> unless we intend not to. Um, and so that's really an interesting thing. Uh, and so it's it's what a wonderful project to bring to life. And I commend Juno Ghostlight Theater for for doing that. And I'm honored to be a part of it and asked to be a part of it um, and uh, and to work with, as as Donnie was saying, a wonderful group of actors. Um, and musicians and sound people and all of that. It's just been been really good. So just as a reminder, we know that we can come in person, um, mm-hmm. junoghostlight.com. You can get tickets to be there in person um, and see it, all the magic being made. Or if you want to sit at home and grab us some popcorn or sit down with your family around the radio, maybe turn off all your other devices, right? Turn off your other devices, just turn on your radio and kind of take yourself back in time a little bit. I think that would be a really cool, you know, Truly. maybe maybe turn down the lights a little bit. Yeah. Um, and when you hear this music that George and Bridget are doing, 
it puts you in a certain mood too. And it, it's, it's just really fantastic. So is there anything that I've missed Donnie that we want to say? No, no, I just, uh, I'm really excited about it. And I feel really lucky The the cast and crew is, um, everyone is very smart and um, really open to collaboration. And it just makes for an enjoyable rehearsal room and a really cool production so far. I'm super excited to hear it later because I won't be able to hear it on the radio while I'm there. But I'm excited to hear it. <laughs> yeah, that'll be really fun. It's Juno Ghostlight Theater's production of The War of the Worlds by H.G. Wells. It's Friday night at 7 p.m. right here on KTOO. You can listen live or you can go to Juno Ghostlight junoghostlight.com and Tom. get your yeah .com and get your tickets uh, in advance to be in the studio um, as well and that also will be a nice fundraiser for Juno Ghostlight Theater which is a local community theater here so um, Kelsey Donnie George thank you so much for thank being you. here today Gunnith Cheesh for sharing about this wonderful project and uh, we'll hear everybody tuning in on Friday thanks Boston thank yeah. you Gunnith Cheesh okay up next Trail Mix 2024 updates on trails, job openings, board member positions, and more. We'll get all the updates here next on Juno Afternoon from KTOO. But first, a savory moment. Step in to the savory moment. You've probably heard of the restaurant empire built by Japanese sushi chef Nobu Matsuhisa. There's Nobu downtown in New York City, Nobu Tokyo, Nobu London, and 47 other locations worldwide. But first, there was Nobu Anchorage? Kind of. Nobu Matsuhisa's first job in the U.S. was at the sushi restaurant Kiyoi, which opened in the fall of 1977 at the corner of 4th Avenue and H Street in downtown Anchorage, Alaska. A favorable restaurant review published in the Anchorage Daily News on November 25, 1977, said this. The chef at Kiyoi, Nobu Matsuhisa, had many years of experience in Japan. Before the restaurant goer's eyes, Matsuhisa slices raw fish and places it on a bed of fresh seaweed. But five days later, a fire broke out after hours in the Kiyoi kitchen. A second newspaper article reported it took 21 firefighters and two ladder trucks to contain the devastating blaze. Kiyoi never reopened. In his 2014 memoir, Nobu Matsuhisa writes that the Anchorage fire took him to the brink of despair, and he considered losing himself in the mountains. But one night, his children's laughter broke through his depression, and in that moment, he decided to try again. Nobu moved toward his dream. In his words, a millimeter a day. He relocated to Los Angeles and created his most famous dish, black cod with miso, and a restaurant empire. Nobu Anchorage is unlikely, but the city's starring role in Nobu history has already made headlines. Find a link to the full recipe for Nobu Matsuhisa's Black Cod with Miso at SavoryMoment.org. From the studios of KCAW in Sitka, Alaska, I'm Beth Short Rhodes. Whatever is on your dinner table tonight, may you savor the moment.
listening to Juno Afternoon from Studio 2K at KTOO. I'm your host, Boston Christopher. Trail Mix is a local nonprofit dedicated to developing and maintaining the Juno Trail system. It's a vital organization to the ecosystem of Juno. And as spring approaches, it's time to start thinking about spring and summer and all things trails. Here to share with us are Megan Tabachek, Trail Program Manager, and Ryan O'Shaughnessy, Executive Director of Trail Mix. Thank you so much for being here today, Wasi. How's it going? Hey, Boston. Thanks for having us. Of course. Hi, Megan. Hi, how are you? I'm excellent. Um, so first of all, let's remind folks about Trail Mix, what it is y'all do, and why it's so important. Yeah, so Trail Mix has been around in Juneau since uh, 1993, and we partner with the City and Borough of Juneau, Parks and Rec Team, um, the Forest Service, uh, and State Parks to manage our trails. Um you know, a lot of those agencies don't uh, have the same standards or necessarily have like very clear and open lines of communication. Um, so that's where we come in to just facilitate and um, yeah, make sure our trails are built and maintained to the same standard. Yeah, that's great. That's a, it's a wonderful uh, program. And it's something that, I mean, I think we all take advantage of the trails around here and sometimes we don't see the work that goes into maintaining them or we don't know who to blame when <laughs> we see something that is wrong. <laughs> um, and so, but trail mix is, uh, it's a really that's great us. organization. Yeah. That's We're you. behind the scenes. You're behind the scenes and you're working with all those partners to make it all happen. So that's right. So that's really good. Um, and of course, it takes people to do that. Mm -hmm. And um, obviously you have your staff of people and I'm sure you also have volunteers, but I know that you also are not as a nonprofit organization, you have a board who sort of helps guide you and that you are now in the process of looking for a couple of community members to step up. Perhaps. Yeah. Tell yeah, us a little bit about that's that. That's exactly right. So, um, you know, we have a, a, a 13 member board, so it's a pretty big board, but three of those seats are held by our agency partners. Okay. Um, our term limits are three year. We have, th excuse me, not term limits, but our terms are three year terms. Um, and we have a couple board members uh, who are going to be terming out in at the end of March. Uh, so we're looking for two folks in town. Um, you have to be local here in Juneau uh, to help us guide the organization. You know, our board meets. Um, anywhere from eight to 12 times a year. Uh, and the board is essential in our fundraising, you know, our policy, you know, building a policy base for the organization and um, overseeing our budget. Nice, okay. And so what kind of things uh, can I expect to be doing as a board member, is it? <laughs> am I am I helping to put on the annual silent auction? Yeah, that's definitely that's a big role for that's our a board. Big role. Is helping out with the auction and fundraising, fundraising in general. Yeah, right? yeah. totally. Yeah, yeah, that's a big. You know, so um, we're really looking for folks who have a lot of different kinds of community connections. Um, it doesn't have to be. You know, I'm I've been a trail volunteer for years and years. You know, we like to have uh, a broad and diverse board. Um, so people from all different walks of life with all different professional backgrounds or um, volunteer experience, um, really valuable. Is there anything in particular that you need on your board that people should be considering? Yeah. So right now we have, um, you know, uh, financial management, investment management is is something that we're going to be losing in one of the outgoing um, board members. So that's a great um, 
kind of skill set or professional skill set to have. Um, but, you know, we're really just we want to make sure that our board is a good reflection of Juno. Um, so we're really, you know, there's not one specific skill set that we're like, we need to have this. Yeah. Um, we want to see, you know, we're really trying to put out a wide and open call and we want to see what Juno comes with. That's great. And so how do people figure out, how do they get involved? Do they just email somebody at Trail Mix? They talk to you or? Yeah, yeah. You can always give us an email, um, you know, info or ryan at trailmixinc.org. Uh, but if you visit our website, there's uh, a thing that pops up right away that's like, hey, are you interested in joining our board? And you can uh-huh. click on that and you can see like a description of what that looks like. And, gotcha. um, you know, you can kind of, uh, you know, guide you through the process there. I see. Okay, great. So you need two board members and that process is ongoing now. It's ongoing now. Yep. We've got another, I think there's like two, like a week or two left in the application or or interest period. Um, And again, those are three year terms and they, um, they'll start in April, April one of, of this year and run through the end of March of 2027. 2027. Isn't that crazy? That's even hard to fathom. Like, it doesn't even (laughs) seem real, but it is. Here we are. Here we are. So then, of course, the other big thing you need is you need people to work. Sure You need crew members and crew leads for this summer season. Now, what's interesting about this is that these applications are closing pretty soon, right? We only have about nine more days, Megan. Tell us a little bit about what you're looking for, how people can apply and all that stuff. Yeah. So... We are hiring for crew members and crew leaders right now. Um, One of the best things that I love about Trail Mix is for crew members, it is no trail experience required. We always say that we look for good people because you can teach any good person how to work on the trails. Um, And so we're looking for crew members. The starting pay is $20 an hour. You get to work four-day work weeks every week, which is super fun. Um, So you get some time to work on the trails and then also have weekends to enjoy the trails. Um, So things that we're looking for for crew members is the ability to work on a team and communicate because that's really the foundation of trail work is you're working with other people outside all day, um, improving our trails. And it's really rewarding, but you need to know how to talk to people and get things done. And then once you start doing that, it's just really magic to see what we can do on the trails <laughs> together. <laughs> and do people, I'm, I'm assuming on the website as well, which is, tell us the website again. Yeah, it's trailmixinc.org slash employment is where you can find all the information on where to apply, how to apply. Um, and the deadline is February 11th. So this yeah. upcoming Sunday. Oh, that's, yeah, that's only five days from yeah. now. So if you're hearing this and you're looking for summer work, now is the time. Now get your time. Get your resume and your cover letter and tell Trail Mix why it's awesome to get out on the trails. I love the fact that you said, though, that no trail experience required because really it's like, you know, shove a pu- push a shovel into somebody's hand and say, go. Yeah, <laughs> right? exactly, you know. Because um, it's maintenance, right? You're maintaining, you're sort of taking care of the trails, you're sort of moving things around and, and kind of being outside a little bit, right? Yeah, it's a little bit of everything. Thing. Um, when I first worked at Trail Mix, I started in 2020 and we started by building the horse tram trail. So some weeks you're out on a trail cutting a new trail or turning, you know, a two foot wide trail into a four foot wide trail to make it more accessible. And then other days you show up to work and it's a helicopter day, which is super fun. And you're slinging gravel bags and attaching them to the helicopter, which whooshes them up onto the treadwell ditch. Um, and then you spend the next couple of weeks digging that gravel out of the bags and putting <laughs> it on the trail. Um, so it's really just a lot of really different fun things. And what I love about trail mix so much is it's such 
such a tangible result. You start and you're looking at a trail. And this past season, we worked on the Christopher Trail. And there were some sections where we looked and it was just brush and trees and rocks and not even a trail there. And you're like, how is this going to turn into a trail? And you show up six weeks later and you can easily walk the section and five to 10 minutes. Um, so it's really fun seeing the results of your work. That's awesome. Yeah. Totally. T- very tangible. Yeah. That mm-hmm. is really great. Cause you can see the improvements that are being made and all of that. All right. So let's talk a little bit about what's in store for updates this season. I know there's some work you're completing on various different trails. Tell us a little bit about what's going on there. Yeah, I'm super excited for our work on some Forest Service trails this upcoming season. So partnering with the Forest Service again and working on the Peterson Lake Trail. So out to the cabin. We started out there last week. We were out there for about four weeks. And this year we're spending a whole 20 week season out there. So expect to see a lot of improvements. Um, Just making that trail to the cabin a lot more accessible. And then on the same vein, making trails to cabins more accessible. We're out on the Amalga Trail, which goes from um, goes out to the Eagle Glacier cabin. And that one has a lot of work to be done. Um, It's very muddy, uh, very narrow. So there's some sections that we're doing a lot of rerouting and that's going to be a couple year project. And we're really excited to get breaking ground on it this year. Oh, that's great. Yeah. And um, what about some of these other trails like Perseverance or Treadwell Ditch? Is there things planned for that? Oh yeah. So this is Maybe our last season of official work on the Treadwell Ditch other than just regular maintenance, which is incredible because Treadwell is kind of what started Trail Mix as an organization. Um, Sort of, yeah. Yeah, sort of. Yeah. (laughs) Um, (laughs) It is is what started Trail Mix. And so we will be up on Treadwell installing a bridge and getting some more tread work done. We have an incredible um, team of volunteers, the volunteer trail maintenance team that loves to work up there alongside our crews as well. So we're going to be putting some finishing touches on some sections, installing a bridge, and then we'll also be up on Perseverance installing a second bridge up there. We snuck one in right at the end of the field season. And so we have one more bridge to install right at the beginning of next season as well. Wow. And do you find, are you able to find like updates on the trail mix website about what kinds of things you'll be working on? Yeah. So the best way to keep up with us is sometimes our website, but mostly our Instagram and Facebook are two of the best places. We post pretty consistently throughout the summer, like Transformation Tuesdays. So we show the work we've done. And then we also have a monthly newsletter called The Dirt. And The Dirt goes out once a month and has updates from our executive director, updates from the field, as well as we like to highlight if there's any like local upcoming outdoor events. That's awesome. All right. Well, it's trailmixinc.org is the website. They're looking for a couple of board members. Your term would start in April. So get on over there for that. And and if you're looking for summer work, now is the time. You have about five more days until this Sunday to apply for various different summer positions, seasonal work that will be happening uh, along all these awesome trails that Megan was just telling us all about in terms of the work they've got. you got a lot of work cut out for yourselves. Oh, yeah. But as I said at the top, Trail Mix is a vital organization. Y'all do some great work keeping Juno and our trails in tip-top shape and improving them and making them better every season. So, Ryan, Megan, thanks so much for coming in today. Is there anything else that we need to mention? I don't think so. Thanks so much for having us. Of course. Thanks, Boston. Yeah, trailmixinc.org is where you can find out all that information. Gunnath Cheesh for coming in. Thank you. Thank you.
do it for, t- for today's Juno Afternoon. On tomorrow's show, a look at this weekend's Juno Jazz Fest, plus an upcoming concert from Juno Jazz and Classic, Classics, just in time for Valentine's Day. Juno Afternoon airs Tuesday through Friday at 3 p.m. right here on KTOO Juno 104.3 and KAUK Juno Ock Bay 91.7. Hello out the road. Find the show online at ktoo.org slash Juno Afternoon, where you can listen to episodes, subscribe to the podcast, offer suggestions or feedback, or find out how to be a guest on the show. Our theme music is by Indian Agent. Juno Afternoon is a project of the KTOO Arts and Culture team. I'm Boston Christopher, producer and host of the program, with help today from Aaron Tripp. Thanks, and have a great Juno evening. Thank you.